joining us this morning. If you would stand, we'll continue with our song service. Psalms 24, verse 9 says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Brother Richard, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? Please join us in taking home number 243, Victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Precious 
Once again, we'll sing hymn number 56 when we all get to heaven. 
message to a bird on a wing. That's him. In a muddy old river in the noonday sun, an outcast kept crying, I tell you he's the one. Then a voice out of heaven said, I'm pleased with my son, that's him, that's him, he's
So uh, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm going off script, okay? I just can't do it any other way. <clears throat> so this uh, hard weekend, most of you know, with the Gilsons losing their son, and so, as Town Lalo, I've written like three different messages, um, just different ways God's just dealt with my heart since all this has happened. <clears throat> but I think I want to start just by loving a little bit on Brother Dan. And I'd like, Brother Matt, why don't you come up here? I want you to lay hands on Brother Dan. I want you to pray for them as we go, go through the days and the weeks ahead. Okay. Heavenly Father, Lord, come as a put our arms around the tremendous hard time. Yeah. So in shock. Lord, I can't imagine. Lord, I pray for comfort. I pray this church unified and strengthened Please, Lord. through this time. Lord, if there's any need that the guests have that we may be called, Lord, may they 
draw close to your word board and the promise of change in your word board as we go forward, Lord. We don't understand it, but we know that you're on the work for our good. Thank you, Lord, be with them. know, as pastor, it would be great if they teach you in Bible college how to deal with all this. I don't know how to deal with it. But I do know this, that there's a devil that is alive, and he wants to destroy lives. And he would even like to destroy this church. Brother Aaron, why don't you stand and pray for our church as we go through this. There's a reason that all this comes our way. I don't understand what God's doing, but I feel like there's a back current that's alive. It needs to be dead, and God needs to be glorified through our church. So pray for that um, it's kind of weird um, 
I don't dream a lot, or I'm sure I dream, I just don't remember my dreams. Um, but every once in a while, I dream I'm preaching. Those are some of the best dreams, man. Altars are getting full, and people are getting their hearts right. Um, one of the messages that I had prepared, I didn't dream about it, but that was just popped in, um, was about love. This is a time for us to love. You go home, you ought to love everyone in your house. If there's an issue in your house, you need to deal with it. You need to get it taken care of. Husbands, you need to love your wives. That's a commandment from God. You need to love your wife. Wives, you need to figure him out. He's a bonehead. He needs loving too, okay? Children, you need to learn to love your moms and your dads, and you need to be obedient to them because obedience shows your love, okay? I feel like I'm getting over it. <clears throat> All right, let's go to Matthew. I'm going to preach my hour-long message here. I'm teasing. We won't be that long. Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> Church, I encourage you, love one another. Love one another. I, um, of course, we're getting ready for the Lord's Supper at the end of the month. I begin to look back through some of those verses, and they talk about divisions and contentions and strife and all that stuff. And that was the church at Corinth, which was the worst example of a church that there could be. And so we want to make sure as a church that we're right with one another and with God. And as we prepare for that towards the end of the month, but really we ought to live like that every day of our life as a church. We ought to function like that. We need to love one another and if there'd be something that you have against someone, man, take care of it. The longer it sets, the more it boils. And the more it boils, I don't know if you've ever, <laughs> I'll tell this story. So we went, we used to go with John and Pam Quinlan. When Brother John was alive, we would go to Colorado and vacation with them. Because we were Brother Brewer's kids. And Brother Brewer, he was from Colorado, and so he took us up and he showed us all these places that m most people couldn't get to, but he being Brother Brewer, he could get us to places that, anyhow, it was just really strange how it happened. So we're up with John and Pam, and we have a cabin rented, which is awkward that you grow up, and then when you get older, you end up renting a cabin with your youth pastor and his wife. That's, that's just weird. Uh, but we loved them. We had such a great time with them. We would go out and we'd go fishing for brookies or we would go right through the mountains and just uh, enjoy the beauty. So one day we're getting ready to go out and Miss Pam said, we'll have ribs tonight. And she gets a crock pot, she puts ribs in them. Whatever she does, they're plugged in. We get in the car, we're having a great time. We go up through the beautiful mountains. We stop and eat sandwiches. Uh, up on some peak someplace, just enjoying the beauty of the Colorado Rockies. I'm telling you, I love it. If, if when 
if when we come back in the millennial reign and God lets me rule and reign in some area up there that gets like 40 inches of snow, you know, every week, I'll just be happy, happy, happy. But uh, so we, we do, we spend the day, man. We just had a great time. We're stopping, taking pictures and just enjoying the Lord and his blessings to us and the beauty that God's created. And we get back to the house. And when we open the door, you can tell something's not right. As a matter of fact, something's burnt and bad. And so Pam goes into the crock pot, and I don't know if she hadn't put enough liquid in with the ribs or what, but they were toast. I mean, uh, they were bad. It stunk the whole house up. They were black. It was so bad that they threw the crock pot away. It was, it was that bad, okay? Uh, and so we, we, we just learned that, uh, you know, to enjoy one another, enjoy life, enjoy the day in which we live, be thankful for God's blessings that he brings our ways, and just, just thank God for each and every day that comes our way. So last week I started a series on the end times, and I felt that appropriate with all that was going on with Israel and Gaza, we ended with the discussion about uh, the uh, rapture and what is going to follow after that. And so today I want to pick up uh, with the thought of the one world ruler, the one world ruler. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter tw uh, 24 and verse number 36, and I'll allow you just to stay seated for time. But there in verse number 6 of Matthew chapter 24, we read, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days they were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man uh, be. And we could go on and read the re remainder of that, but basically we're talking about the return of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness and your love for us. We thank you for the fact that we can hold your word in our hands. We pray today, God, that you would just minister to our hearts, give us insight and wisdom as we deal with this topic of the one world ruler. Uh, kind of things to look for, what the Bible describes him as, and Lord, uh, might it just help us as we seek to live these days for your honor and your glory. We love you and we thank you. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. And so uh, many of this in this room right here will remember, uh, either remember Adolf Hitler or will remember studying about him. He was a mean and vicious man. He was uh, very persuasive in his speeches, and many followed him wholeheartedly. When the Antichrist comes onto the scene, he will be embraced and followed with even more zeal than Hitler had ever thought of. There are uh, some errors that tend to occur among those that study prophecy, and we want to be reminded of a couple of things. First of all, 
that uh, no one knows the day or the hour of the rapture. Okay, Matthew 24, verse 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. The other fallacy uh, that tends to happen is trying to guess the identity of the Antichrist. And so for years I've heard people say, Well, I wonder if this guy could be the Antichrist. I wonder if this guy could be the Antichrist. All I know is that you don't know. Uh, scripture indicates that his identity will not be revealed until after the rapture takes place, Second uh, Thessalonians 2.3. So we will not be uh, mentioning names as possible Antichrist nominees. Uh, we will look at the global power structure developing and the role the Antichrist will assume in world leadership during the tribulation. The titles Scripture ascribes to this one world leader are many. The following will be uh, maybe a help to identify in prophecies throughout Scripture related to this man. So some of the titles for the one world uh, ruler would be beast. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 11, Revelations 13, 1, a man of sin in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, a son of perdition in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, that wicked in 2 Thessalonians 2, 8, the Antichrist in 1 John 2.18, the little horn in Daniel 7 and verse number 8, the abomination of desolation, Matthew 24 and verse number 15, the prince of that shall come, Daniel 9.26, a king of fierce countenance, Daniel chapter 8 and verse number 23, this phrase, the king shall do according to his will, Daniel 11 and verse number 36. So our world's changing quickly. Man, I never thought it would change as fast as it is changing, but it is changing. And for years, um, people may have wondered, well, how would this one world leader be established? How would the whole world know about it at one time? Well, all it's taken is a little TV and a little live internet, and all of a sudden, it's very easy for us to understand how the whole world could be able to embrace and learn of this leader almost simultaneously around the world. The world's seeking a one leader, a one world leader. The Pope in USA Today newspaper article called for world economic authority with real teeth. Pope Benedict XIV called for reforming of the United Nations and establishing a true world political authority with real teeth to manage the global economy with God-centered ethics. And of course, he's talking about his God-centered ethics. In his third in, in cynical uh, major teaching released at the G8 summit uh, in Italy, the Pope says such an authority is urgently needed to end the current worldwide financial crisis. When the leader of a large religious body calls on the UN to manage the world economy, it isn't difficult to see how one world leader will be accepted by both religious and economic sectors. Um, by the way, remember, he will be coming on the scene when we are gone. So all of us people that find issues will be gone. So you don't have to worry about that. That's why he's going to be so readily accepted. More recently, with the COVID pandemic that swept the world in 2020, there's been renewed calls for a worldwide economic overhaul. Al, Al Gore, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Al Gore. 
UN Secretary General and others now demanding a great reset of global capitalism. Global capitalism, not their capitalism. I'll guarantee you their bank accounts will stay steady and strong. At a meeting housed by the highly influential World Economic Forum earlier in June, powerful officials from nonprofits, government, business, academia, labor, unions, and activist groups announced their plans for a great reset of global capitalism. Its proposal, they acknowledge, has only been made possible because of the economic destruction caused by the coronavirus. And I just want to say, you destroyed it so that now you can rebuild it. I think it was, uh, I'm just a great conspiracy guy. I think it was all a setup, but anyhow. Supporters and attendees of the meeting included Prince Charles, Antonio Guterres, the Secretary General of the United Nations, A.J. Banga, CEO of MasterCard, Bernard Looney, probably a proper name, CEO of um, BP, and Gina Gonapte, the Chief Economist of the International Monetary Fund, among others. In an article published on the World Economic Forum's website, Klaus Schwab, uh, the founder and executive chairman of WEF, World Economic Forum, wrote of the Great Reset. Every country from the United States to China must participate and every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. Um, I think that's why we're seeing such push for electric cars and why you can have an electric car but you can't have an electric stove. I just, anyhow. Uh, the current economic crisis is creating a realignment of international economic boundaries and increasing the pressure for centralized monetary management. Humanism is also at work in the lives and the hearts of mankind. Humanism denies God and denounces accountability to biblical mo uh, morality. It is an idea belief system for a demonically controlled, power-hungry ruler who will dissolve Christian ethics and his global policies. Of course, the Christians will be done so these values will slide quickly as they are even in the day in which we now live. The world leader referred to in Revelation 13 and Daniel 7 as the beast may be alive today and even in a role of leadership. The policies that will characterize his ideas are gaining momentum and the world is ripening for his command. The Antichrist is not only against Christ, he is the complete opposite of Christ in every way. Notice these differences. Christ came from above. Antichrist will ascend from the pit. Christ came in the Father's name. The Antichrist will come in his own name. Christ humbled himself. The Antichrist will exalt himself. Christ was despised. The Antichrist will be admired. Christ will be exalted. Uh, Antichrist will be cast down to hell. Christ came to do his Father's will, Antichrist will come to do his own will. Christ came to save, Antichrist came to destroy. And, uh, Christ is the good shepherd, Antichrist is the idle shepherd. Christ is the true vine, Antichrist the vine of the earth. Christ is the truth, Antichrist is the lie. Christ is the holy one, and the Antichrist is the wicked one. Christ is the man of sorrows, Antichrist is the man of sin. The Christ is the Son of God, Antichrist is the son of perdition. 
Christ is the mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh, and the Antichrist will be the mystery of iniquity, Satan manifest in the flesh. The beast is an appropriate title for his coming in brutal and devouring rule. Now our first point is this, the description of the beast. Revelations 13, 1 through 4, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast ride uh, up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten, or ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And so uh, we're going to look at the Antichrist's place of origin. As John penned the book of Revelation, he was on the Isle of Patmos in the Mediterranean Sea. His description of the beast arising from the sea indicates that the Antichrist will come from the European Mediterranean region. The sea in prophetic scriptures usually represents Gentiles, as uh, is likely the Antichrist will have a Gentile background. Authors Tim LaHaye and Ed Henson offer several reasons why the Antichrist will most likely be a Gentile. First of all, he leads the European Union of Gentile Nations, Daniel chapter 7, verses 8 through 24. He will be the leader of the people who destroy the temple. Uh, his covenant with Israel promises Gentile protection for Israel, Daniel 9, 27. Interestingly, although the beast rides out of the sea, he is a land animal. He possesses the combined traits of a leopard, a bear, and a lion. Henry Morse, a theologian, wrote this. This beast rides out of that sea. He is a land animal and could thus only speak of some powerful personage emerging from the peoples of the Mediterranean lands with the hybrid characteristics of the beast suggesting that he is somehow a product of them all. The conglomeration of the bear's traits may refer to uh, interracial origin, interpolitical origin, or interreligious inter origin, or all three. When he steps forth, he will have all the answers to the world problems that are needed at this time. Wouldn't it be nice to have all the answers to all the problems? Man, I wish I could do that. The beast pol uh, political uh, is mentioned in the ten horns. Uh, these horns represent the world powers that will give him power. They correspond with the ten toes mentioned in Daniel's dream of the statue. Daniel 7 mentions the ten horns in Daniel 7.24. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And Daniel 7.8 also mentions the Antichrist's rise to power. In verse 8, it says, I consider the horns, and behold, there came up from among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked out by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man and a mouse speaking great things. The little horn represents the Antichrist, and the Antichrist's pivotal 
moment, politically and diplomacy, will be treated uh, as he makes uh, later breaks with Israel. In Daniel chapter 9, he describes this process, Daniel 9, 26 and 27, and after three scorn, two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince shall come and shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the world desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abomination she shall make it desolate, even until the consummation that shall determine there shall be poured upon the desolate. And so um, the, the start of the Messiah, uh, it starts with the Messiah being cut off, and uh, then we see this uh, prophetic week of seven years, and we know the final week is coming after the church age. And so right now, as we talked about last week, we are in the church age. This is the age that the Gentiles and the Jews and all mankind can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The church age will end. Jesus is coming, praise God, in the rapture. We will be called forth to be with him in the clouds forever. Amen. Hallelujah for that. We will go to be with him. I believe that when we go to be with him, that we will go into our judgment. We'll have our judgment of our works. They'll be tried by fire. I believe the great uh, marriage supper of the Lamb will take place at that time. Here on this earth, seven years of tribulation. The first three and a half, not so bad. There's going to be peace. There's going to be wealth. Everything's, everybody's going to get along. Uh, this issue that we see happening over in Israel now will not be an issue. For three and a half years, everything will go great. The Jews will build a new temple. By the way, they're already doing that now. They've just uh, spent $3 million on having a solid gold um, menorah made. Uh, they're building furniture as we speak. They're still waiting for uh, that red heifer to come. Uh, and every once in a while, I'll catch a blip about here's a solid red heifer, no white hairs. Uh, and so uh, I, I really believe that Jesus' coming is soon. And uh, they will build that temple and it, everything will look good. And then all of a sudden, it's going to fall apart. The last three and a half years are going to be like nothing we've ever seen. I've had many people say, so do you think? Do you think we're close? Do you think, do you think that we're close? Oh, uh, I don't know. One thing that gives me great pause is when I go back and I read through the Old Testament and I read of the judgment that's placed upon the children of Israel over and over and over again. They're drug out of their homelands, everything taken away from them. Now, we're rich Americans. The poorest among us today are rich. You say, I'm not so rich, look at my bank account. No, I'm telling you, you're rich. All I have to do is take you to Papua New Guinea or Nepal, a real third world country, you are very rich. We have lots of stuff. But it spoils us into thinking we'll always have lots of stuff. What's to say that we don't have everything stripped from us and we live from hand to mouth? I mean really hand to mouth. Like we grow it in the garden and we eat what we have and 401Ks, a thing of the past, and government monies, a thing of the past, and we just, we just live to survive. Why wouldn't that happen to America? No place in the scripture says that America is going to cruise through unscathed. It could happen. 
So do I think we're close? Yes, I think we're close from the aspect of this, that we are to look every day for his soon return. But do I think we're close just because there's a war going on in Israel? Probably not. But do I get excited to see dumb groups pick on God's chosen people, knowing that God's not going to let his people be pushed down, that God's going to defend his people? Yeah, I get excited about that. And so the Antichrist, he's going to come. He's going to have a position of authority. He has a position in prophecy. The beast is pictured in Revelations 13. He's a composite of four beasts in Daniel's vision, Daniel 7. And um, the beast of Daniel 7 pictures the same four world empires as the image of Daniel chapter 2, the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greece Empire, uh, the Rome Empire. The Antichrist will possess the appetite for combined conquests of all the ancient kingdoms. Isn't it amazing that when we get right back and we boil it all back down, it goes right back to where Israel is today. So who knows? Maybe I'm just going to throw out some, some, some thoughts that I set and muse. Maybe a nuke's going to hit America and it's just totally worthless land. No one even wants to mess with it. Because all the attention goes back to the nation of Israel. To that area right there with Gog and Magog and, and all that area right there. Everything goes back to that. I don't know. I don't know. Like again, I said, I don't have all the answers. It'd be nice if I did. I could have really made it through school a lot easier. <sighs> With the power of Nebuchadnezzar, the government structure of, the Med of Medo-Persia, the desire to conquer of Alexander the Great, the military might of Nero, the Antichrist will rise out of a final global kingdom. The kingdom is rapidly being formed. Today, as the European Union expands its power and size, the EU has doubled in size since 2004. The Antichrist's economic policies will reflect his nature of deceit. Daniel chapter 8, verse number 25. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without a hand. The Antichrist's prominence in the world. The name of the Antichrist will be a household word in every uh, will be household word in every country. His global predominance and power will surpass any leader of the world as known before. He can one how can one man have such power? His prominence will be partially derived from his affiliations. Revelations thirteen two and the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard and uh, we had the description of the beast there. Uh, he had. Uh, uh, like to a leopard and a bear and a lion and a dragon. And then verses 11 and 12, we see him coming upon the earth and having the horns, uh, the two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exercised all power of the first beasts before him and caused the earth and them which dwelled therein to worship the first beast, beast whose deadly wound was healed. And so 
um, this, this is going to go along, and, and the world leader, this beast, is going to come forth, and he's going to be lifted up, and he's going to be exalted, and the people of this world are going to willingly follow him. And you say, preacher, why are we worried about any of this? Because you don't want to be here at this time. You don't want to be here at this time. The Bible is clear. It is full. For sake of time, we could go on for another hour, but for sake of time, we're not going to. But I would say this. You're here today and you're unsure of where you spend eternity when you die. If you're here today and you don't think that you will make the rapture, but you might ask this question, how will I make the rapture? Well, you've got to be born again. You've got to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Being a good person doesn't put you in the rapture. Living a good life doesn't put you in the rapture. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that you'll make that roll call, if you will, to be in heaven, to be in the clouds when Jesus comes in the rapture. If those things are not done, you might say, well, okay, so I've sat here and I've heard this message and I know where I can go study it out. And so if the rapture takes place and I miss it, well, then I can get saved afterwards. Well, slow down. Slow down. Because I think there'll be a great lie. There's a great lie that must be evident in the heart of the person that thinks that. And that great lie will cover on even after the disappearance of Christians worldwide. They will not even think that it's the rapture. They'll think it's UFOs. They'll look for a, another way to explain it away. I think the Antichrist will have many ways to explain it away. Your time for salvation is now. Once, once he comes in the rapture, it's closed for you because you've heard the truth today. Today is the day of salvation. Lord Jesus, I love you and I thank you for your goodness and your love. Thank you for a picture into what is about to happen in this world. Lord, I pray that everyone in, within the sound of my voice, that they know Christ as their Lord and Savior. They know that if they were to die right now, heaven would be their eternal home. They know that if the rapture was to take place right now, they would go to be with him in the clouds and the air. Lord, if there's one here that's toying with the idea of salvation or playing with the, the fact that, well, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll be good enough, I think I'll get by, Lord, I pray for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in their life, even now. Lord, have your will done in our lives and our hearts. Might you be glorified through it all. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Have a moment of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, I'd encourage you to come, that you can know that your sins are forgiven. Heaven's your eternal home. Whatever you need, would you come? I have decided to
Brother Lalo uh, give us our announcements as we get ready to dismiss. Good morning, the Lord's house this morning. Thankful for a church family. We can come and worship together, but also get to love one another whenever uh, we just need somebody to be there for us. So um, um, the first thing on the points of interest is a teen fundraiser, and I'll, that'll be uh, for lunch today. I'll go ahead and give instructions for that in a minute. We have a fall praise festival. Got moved to Wednesday, praise the Lord, November 1st. Uh, starting at 7 p.m. here at the church, you want to bring your food here. We'll have the uh, we have a grill out back, so we can cook food, have some fellowship, um, and uh, enjoy that time together as a family. We have a ladies' jubilee uh, in Wichita, November 4th. And for those riding in the church van, uh, the van will be leaving on Friday, November 3rd at 1 p.m. We have a men's work day, November 4th at 8:30, and we do ask that if if you can make it, if you're a man, if you want to come help, uh, we could really use the help. There's a there's a lot of work that trustees have uh, for us all, so. Uh, we have a Senior Saints Thanksgiving. Uh, that'll be Monday, November 6th at 11.30 a.m. here at the church. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. If you have any questions, just talk to Ms. Foster. And then uh, we have Veterans Day coming up. Brother Martin Kuhn will be with us November 12th. Um, and we have the Lord's Supper. Put that in your calendars. Important day coming up on November 1st, 21st at 7 p.m. Um, go ahead and dismiss the teenagers at this time. They're going to go ahead and go get everything set up. Um, and... Uh, while they're out there setting up, I'll give some instructions. Uh, I know that you guys have done this in the past, but uh, there'll be no charge, obviously. Uh, the potluck is free for everybody who wants to show up, but there'll be a basket at the end of the serving table if you want to give in any, do any donations, and any donations that we receive will go towards the youth department. We have youth camp, youth con, uh, things throughout the year. It's just an, uh, an opportunity, you could say, for the family to, uh, to invest into our young people, the next generation coming up. So we do appreciate everything you guys have done in years past, and we're excited for another year uh, here this year. Um, and after you guys can, you guys can go through and serve yourselves your tacos. We'll have a taco bar there, obviously, because my first year as a youth pastor, I had to do Mexican food. Um, so if you can just go through, serve yourself your own tacos, and then have a seat. And then once you're seated, the teenagers will go by and ask you what you want to drink. And then at the end, they'll also serve you your desserts. So we're excited for, for the potluck. Thank you for everybody who cooked food and everything. Uh, Brother Trenton, can you go ahead and dismiss us in prayer?